Hey there, everyone, and welcome back. It is the friendly water trio gals here, and we are returning after a bit of a hiatus. If you're new to our show and our channel, let me introduce my friends and colleagues, Cassandra Tyndall, Alicia Youssef, and myself. I'm Kelly Surtees, and we are maybe a little bit rusty, but we're very excited to be back sharing some astrology with you. Uh, we've got a few plans for how we might evolve and continue to shift our focus with our little podcast show, of course, as Jupiter changes signs or gets ready to. For those of you who've been longtime followers, we do tend to have a little bit of a shift in focus every time Jupiter ingresses to a new sign. Uh, but for now, we are here uh, bringing you a show, taking a look at the astrology of the first half of 2022. So without any further ado, welcome Leash and Cass. Hey everyone. <laughs> Hi guys. So nice to see you girls. Good it's to be back. really nice to be back. I loved mm. how we were doing our pre-show sing-alongs again, just as we're getting <laughs> our recording going. Although Eminem is new to the genre. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that is a little different. We were doing a little bit of Guess Who's Back. Just, yes. Just for the listeners. Yeah. Just yeah. to... Yeah get ourselves in the groove. And For our poor sound, sound engineer. <laughs> Three water trio girls go around this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, speaking of going round in circles, the start of the year nice begins <laughs> with Venus retrograde. So Venus's retrograde starts actually in December of 2021, but it goes all the way into uh, January. Venus doesn't end her retrograde till the end of January. And even though we're only looking at the first half of 2022, there's there's still quite a lot of things going on. And I know, Cass, you have some thoughts about Venus and her condition and what's going on with her as we kick off the new year. Yeah, well, I guess to kind of sum it up, um, you know, sticking on track with Venus, you know, she moves into 2022 fairly much in the same condition as she ended 2021, retrograding Capricorn and, you know, doing the dance with Pluto and so that's a continuation of theme that we see for Venus. So, you know, kind of how we how this year ends and how the new one starts is, is pretty much the same type of weather. In some respects, we could almost say like December is the start of 2022 from that perspective. So Venus continues uh, moving on in uh, Capricorn, uh, undergoing her retrograde phase. And so, you know, this is so much to talk about in that respect, but I think the journey of Venus in a nutshell for the start of this year is kind of crispy. You know, she's not having a great run of it. She does get a little bit of support from Mars by sort of around January 25. I think that's 26 if you're here in Australia. So Mars coming along in that exalted position and maybe boosting her somewhat as she kind of moves out of that retrograde phase. But I guess, um, you know, they have this co-presence all throughout February. Then by the time they hit March, they then sort of conjoin Mars and Venus together into Aquarius. And then that sort of continues Venus's crunchy face because then she's kind of sandwiched or what we would sort of traditionally call besieged between Mars and Saturn throughout March. And so it's not until she hits Pisces that she does get some relief. She gets, uh, you know, some goodness, some exaltation back, and she moves into Pisces around sort of April 6th. So as far as Venus, Venus-themed things, uh, the Venus sort of houses and areas of your birth chart, and even that collective space, you know, Venus is the social sort of harmony and 
connection and togetherness and all of those sort of friendships and bonds with people, you know, it could be a little bit difficult as the year starts or that kind of can we, can't we, what's the the, the rules and the regulations around certain things. So, of course, you know, the personal um, side of things, it's really going to be an emphasis again on that Capricorn Aquarius, that Saturn themed stuff around Venusian topics for the start of the year, at least until we get to that first week of April. What are your thoughts on it, Leish? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's the fact that even right at the beginning, yes, Venus conjuncts Pluto, like, you know, this whole Venus retrograde is involving Pluto as well, and, and Venus will conjunct Pluto right at the end of December. But this bleeds over into those first few weeks of the yeah. new year, and we were talking in the pre-show chat, we're already seeing this. I, I think about it like Persephone, who goes down into the underworld, you know, is kidnapped by Hades against her choice. And when she goes down into the underworld, you know, she's seeing a lot of things she's never seen before. She goes down all sweet and innocent as the evening star, and then she gets kidnapped and taken in. And it's not until by choice later on she actually chooses to become queen of the underworld. She chooses to become Hades' bride because she can see the suffering that it's causing the humans because of Demeter um, in her grief not being able to give the humans food and crops and things. So, And in that she becomes powerful or empowered because she chooses to become queen and therefore she can come and go from the underworld as she wishes. So this is their feeling, especially of this Venus in Capricorn piece, especially is that, yes, we'll be meeting some depths and some murkiness and things we might not have seen before. It's really touching on these plutonic themes of bringing things up from the underworld, of forcing us to face things, especially around love and beauty and relationships. And I think Nate, Nick Dagan Best talks about Venus retrograde as consensus as well. How do we find consensus in things? So we may have to face a lot of icky stuff or, or stuff that's unpleasant or uncomfortable to look at. But in doing that, we eventually become empowered, especially because Venus rejoins Pluto um, with Mars. That's early March, early March. Yeah. So um, third, fourth of March. So it's almost like this exalted Mars in Capricorn is able to give Venus the backbone or, or the, the, even the spears that she needs to be able to fight her way out or, or to get what is really rich. You know, I keep thinking about Britney Spears and the Pluto transits she's been going on with uh, Pluto sitting on her Venus and the empowerment that she's gotten. But she's had to, you know, dig through the depths and drag a lot of her personal life and, and uh, difficulties into the public eye to be able to do that. So mm. it does feel like that's the potential and the possibility for all of us, but specifically around these Venusian themes. It's a bit like Khaleesi raising an army from Game of Thrones, you know, like she was this queen that was, you know, brought in or this young girl into the underworld comes back out and then sort of raises her army to defeat, uh, <laughs> get to be ruler of all the kingdoms. But, yeah, and that's kind of the, the vibe there it might be like getting some mm. support or some uh, ammunition or some kind of maybe more willpower or focus to uh, level up into your new um status or your new um, ideals or your new way of being around those kind of Venusian topics as well. So it's kind of like, you know, coming, this is sometimes what 
is forgotten about with Pluto because everyone kind of is like, oh, scared of it and everything like that. But it is a, a process. It's not like a Uranian mm. smack in the mouth and like getting on with, you know, it is sort of this season of, of shedding and processing. And, you know, when you get a good haircut and you take off more than normal and it feels really light, it feels really refreshing, it feels quite focused and you've taken off all that dead hair and you can just feel more empowered and lighter and you know more mm. energized as well when you've shed it off the the mm. old stuff so yeah, yeah it's like doing a fast or a you know anything where exactly. you're kind of it's getting rid of the toxins yeah, yeah. like yeah. a decluttering yeah. yeah any time yeah. it is a, it is a detox on these yeah. venus and i always find venus retrograde as well brings us back to our value systems and after the two years we've been through, it's really an opportunity to examine what are our value systems that relate to Capricorn themes, like mm. success, like goals, like uh, hierarchies and, and those traditional things in our lives. How can we revisit this and do a detox on those areas so we can come back to our more pure, more core value systems in our choices mm. going forward? Yeah. Yeah, it's such a big cycle and I love how you were saying, Cass, about how, you know, Venus kind of starts the year mid-process really with this because yeah. like and the Venus-Pluto conjunctions, I love what you were saying there, Leash, because Venus is conjunct Pluto twice in December and then not again f- for the third time until early March. So there's mm. this long period in the start of the year where Venus goes off on her retrograde journey, but we know she's got to come back and connect with Pluto. And one of the things I keep thinking about with the Venus retro in Capricorn is the the rewriting the rules of engagement, you know, Mm -hmm. the rules of social etiquette, not just like dating and romance, but how we're interacting with other people. What, What are you comfortable with? What are you not comfortable with? And these are things that, you know, always need to be Uh, in our minds, you know, I'm comfortable seeing this friend or I don't like seeing that friend because they always pressure me to do things that I don't like or what have you. But when you add in the COVID stuff into that, there is sort Mm. of this need to clarify again, what am I comfortable with? What am I not comfortable with? And and where do we all stand? And what can we do within the bounds of whatever rules or um, requirements we might choose or we might have um, put upon us? And it is really interesting what you're saying, Cass, because Venus is still in this very Saturnian vibe even after she leaves Capricorn in March when she goes in to Aquarius. And then there is that kind of extra tricky period few weeks in March where Venus meets Mars in Aquarius and then is moving directly to Saturn in Aquarius, which is quite a technical condition of difficulty of being squeezed or Mm. bound, um, like being caught between a rock and a hard place. Um, So she does, I think you were saying, Cass, it's like she starts off the year kind of crunchy, I guess, and it's not until early April. Crispy. 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 It's a great word. You know, when you you wake up and you feel crispy, it's like, oh, what day is it? Like whatever. It's not until you have a drink or coffee, whatever. It's like, oh, yeah. So I think, you know, as we're, you know, on the front end of this transit, I think it's important for people to remember that, um, you know, Venus, as you said, Kel, will hit Pluto twice this month in December and it's not like something, I mean, it could, but it's not like something big can happen on those particular conjunctions. It's more like the initiation of a process that's going to evolve mm-hmm. over the kind of holiday and into the new year um, and, in you know, through until the end of kind of Q1. So 
it is really about, okay, like batten down the hatches. This is, you know, a journey. Um, and when I come out the other side, I'll have more clarity around how am I trading off my happiness for something or someone else. And mm. even though Venus in Capricorn doesn't have a great deal of dignity in of her own self, bit of a throwback to you, Kel. I know we you, we kind of admire each other's earthy Venuses, but yes. one thing I see it play out in um, client charts, you know, they might look at it and go, well, you know, Venus in Capricorn, you know, not the most functional kind of Venus. But what I really like about it is there's a, a – a, doesn't want to settle for second best, you know, Venus and Capricorn. It kind of knows what it wants. It knows what its value is. Like I'm not shopping at, I don't know, like Target. I'm going to go to a nice shop and I'm going to buy, you know, I might spend more money on one quality item, but I'm going to mm. hold that for a long time. Long time. As yeah. opposed to the fast fashion or the fast friends, you know, whatever it is in your birth chart, the Capricorn house. So it is like really looking forward to the future and what seeds can I plant? What do I need to change or transform? So when I come out the other side, I can hold on to things that have longer lasting value or longevity that are in alignment or clarification with my own values or my own desires or my own wants because that's also really what Venus is, you know, what do I want, what joy, happiness, harmony, all of those kind of, you know, the sprinkles, the sugar on top stuff in life. So, And those things have been a little bit hard to grasp this year. So this will help us really get, as you said, Leash, really in touch with our values. What was on the periphery might need to stay there and dive in deeper into the things that really matter and what really count. Mm. Yeah, that's what's to look forward principles. to with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Coming out with quality at the end of the process is something to, to I think, to celebrate. Mm. Yeah, and also Venus with the pleasure principle side of things as mm. well. This is this is really getting real, you know, Capricorn with what truly brings us pleasure, not mm. the periphery stuff. And I think it's really interesting that the second of these touches with Pluto is going to happen on Christmas Day. So um, it's it's kind of interesting. Okay, this tradition that mm. we all. Uh, adhere to uh, not all of course I'm sure not all our listeners are Christian or we necessarily celebrate Christmas but it does feel like in the western world it's such a big tradition such a big thing yeah are we is, does it really bring us pleasure or is it just about duty and responsibility or how can we do it in a way that it truly does and then how does this follow on into early 2022 Mm, I think I've seen it on the internet somewhere, like, what is tradition? It's just peer pressure from dead people, you know, our ancestors, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> when you think about it, it's kind of what it is, you know. So, you know, you might also feel empowered to give away, to surrender, release, transform some of those traditions, um, you know. Or create new traditions for yourself. Yeah, yeah. totally. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot about like with Venus retro in Capricorn, you know, Capricorn is such a sign about protection and preservation, but it's sort mm. of questioning what are we protecting? What are we preserving? Mm. Is this something we want to keep protecting or preserving or do we need to kind of update our sense of what 
what we want to uh, protect for the long term. Because Venus yeah. in Capricorn, this is Venus in a Saturn-ruled sign, retrograde. We're getting four months of this vibe. And, you know, part of it happened at the end of 2021, but a big chunk of it is happening in this first part of 2022. So it is it is that sense of what what am I creating long-term in my life, whether I'm aware of it consciously or not? You know, because mm. our daily habits, the choices that we do and don't make in the present contribute to what we'll have or not have in the future. And I think there is something there about reworking our relationship with time or things that last, like getting a clearer sense of how what we do today affects what we do or don't have in the future. Um, Coming yeah, back to intentions. Yes. Yeah. And it's building, you know, Venus magnetizes. I find it's, you know, if, if we think about consciously what we want to be magnetized towards or what we want to attract towards us, this is where we can think about it because that comes from our value systems, doesn't it? The choices that we make. So. Totally. Yes, it's a big transit, that's for sure. But I think, yeah, the takeaway, like, you know, don't go into it fretting out. You know, it is a, a mm. season. It's a cycle. So and an eight-year one. So that's something to perhaps think about too when Venus yeah. was last retrograde in Capricorn. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that we've had Venus retro in Capricorn before. We'll have it again eight years from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, in fact, this will yeah, be the last one to... with Pluto this close mm-hmm. maybe. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Last yeah. One with Pluto. So we're just yeah. really doing some deeper purging and releasing as part of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shall we carry on with our Venus theme, shifting to Venus in Pisces, or is there something else that we want to talk about, anything else in March that we want to say? Well, I think we touched on the besiegement and she'll be co-present, like sort of sandwiched between Mars and Venus. So that's still going to be a little bit tricky for Venus, but um, yeah, I think maybe let's get to the good stuff, huh? The good stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I think the only thing I would briefly say, um, just separate from Venus in March is that Mars will be back in Aquarius for the first time since March of 2020. So we'll have Mars and Saturn together in Aquarius for uh, all of March, I think, most of March and the first half of April. So that's like Mm. Mars return of when COVID was kind of hitting the Western world in in March, April of, of 2020. 2020. Uh, So it's a little different because we don't have Jupiter here this time around, which we did before, but it Mm -hmm. will be interesting just to see uh, how that Mars-Saturn repetition uh, shifts things, changes things. Some things might get harder. Uh, You know, the stress. I I wonder a little bit about Mars and Saturn together, again, about uh, mental health, mindset, taking care of of the mind, uh, you know, for each of us individually, but also collectively. And it'll certainly be a chance to kind of rework or rethink the Aquarius parts of our chart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there can be a strengthening with Mars and Saturn together, but it's kind of that forge through fire strengthening you know, you piece, put a piece of iron into a fire. Yeah, well, you, deca- to, you, you discover your strength through a pressured situation or mm, a situation that really kind of asks a lot of you. Mm, it's yeah. like if you think about like how steel is forged, it's the, you know, repeated uh, fire and collision, you know, like mm. blacksmithing, right? And I think this particular um, transit of Mars in Aquarius with Saturn you know, 
it, as you said, Kel, it's the first that like, we don't have Jupiter's support with this, so we might see a very pure version of Saturn in Aquarius this time around. So, mm. um, you know, it will be um, an opportunity, speaking of our songs, you know, where the goer gets tough, the tough get going. So that's going yeah. to be, you know, a, a that's pretty… That's the Mars Saturn soundtrack. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, again, look to that you know, whatever house it is for you, you know, this is going to be where you have to kind of pull up those proverbial socks and just get something hard or difficult or, you know, one step at a time. Like Mars Saturn to me reminds me of like the military march where it's just like left, right, left, right, until it's done, you know, uh, mm. zone out, just focus in, narrow in and, um, you know, how they say like uh, – do it once and do it right or you know other analogies is like measure twice cut once like there is this sort of Mm. like really hone in and focus um with mars saturn particularly in fixed signs and sort of that eliminating distraction as well so yeah it's it that's a tricky tricky period yeah for sure yeah and that mars saturn conjunction will peak in early april but mars will be co-present with saturn for most of march and the first part of april but there's a whole other thing going on in April. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like from one extreme to the other. Yeah. And I think and many many of our listeners will know what that is. <laughs> so you're going to say something, Leash? Well, I was going to say we haven't actually really touched much on Jupiter and Pisces, which will be going on in the background behind That's everything true. we've been talking about. So, yes. you know, there is that part of our chart, the Pisces part of our chart, and also Sagittarius, you know, with Jupiter back in Pisces, there will be, you know, hope and optimism and faith and belief on the table again. And that really comes forth in April, especially when uh Venus comes and joins in and I'm really looking forward actually to that I mentioned it before that full moon the new moon the Pisces new moon that's going to happen on the 2nd of March as well Mm, yeah but you know diving into the Venus in Pisces energy you know what are you girls thinking about that what are your thoughts Um, Okay, well, I'm personally quite looking forward to it. Um, I had so many thoughts. How do I be succinct about this? I was just trying to get the exact date. Uh, It looks like it's around the 5th of April that Venus comes into Pisces. Uh, So one of the things I like on the Jupiter and Pisces piece, which will, you know, Jupiter's in Pisces until uh, almost the middle of May. So it is there Mm. for the first part of the year. And it just, it's sort of pulling focus and shifting our attention and energy away from Aquarius and or Saturn stuff and onto something different and something that might be nourishing or satiating at an emotional level or at a deeper soul level, because that's the direction that Pisces likes to go in. And, while that is active and going on in the first three months of the year, there's something really um, special or sparkly or satisfying particularly about how we can nourish ourselves, whether it's through spiritual energetic connection, whether it's through healing experiences, whether it's through connections with people uh, at work or personally, that just feels like the Venus in Pisces with Jupiter and with Neptune it it feel I don't think it's necessarily super productive. I think it's more about connection, mm-hmm. uh, something about getting closer, uh, you know, whether it's learning more about your own emotional self or creating closeness with certain other people uh, in your life. Uh, and it does feel very 
protective or stabilizing or helpful, particularly to the Pisces parts of our chart, but probably also to the Jupiter parts of our chart as well. What are your thoughts on this, gals? Because I know it's a, it's definitely a feature and maybe one of the brighter astrological features for this first half of the year. Yeah, I was watching with the kids. Pixar have done these really short animations where they've invited people, you know, budding animators to come in and, and present. So I think it's on Netflix. Anyway, there's this really short, sweet film about a boy jumping in puddles uh, with his babysitter or his big sister, and she's on her phone on the step and he's jumping in these puddles. But he's discovering as he jumps into the puddles that he goes right into them and below them is this magical dream world. So he shoots out another puddle and he kept trying to get her attention, but she's that typical Aquarius energy, maybe starting the Aquarius. She's so focused on her phone. She just keeps going, yeah, yeah, and misses what he's doing until he grabs her hand and pulls her in. And, they, and then her phone gets sucked up out and they're in this just magical world of all these beautiful colours. And it just kind of talked a lot to me about what Jupiter in Pisces could be. It's, it's imaginative, it's magical. And when Venus joins it in this space, it's like, come and enjoy this with me. Let's mm. do this together. Let's drop the phones or drop the stress or, or drop the worry and just be together in this space. And, you know, it's so much water because it's both of them are co-present with Neptune as well. Yes. So it speaks a lot to me about emotions and emotional connection. And we've felt so tight. It's almost like being a drought since Jupiter's been under Saturn's thumb and co-present for the last few years. I think it's an opportunity for us to soften and to melt towards others and our connection with others. And I don't think it's going to be with everybody, but I'm hoping there's more unification. There's more of that opportunity to kind of see things at a bigger level, like a humanity level, you know, that beautiful emphasis on Pisces of just the oneness of the human race. So that's some of my wishes for what it possibly could be. But in our day-to-day lives, in our, you know, our, our personal world, it's just, okay, how do I return to the magic of my connections with my friends? Or how do I do imaginative, creative work with in collaborations with others? And, and that spiritual piece too, just that really finding the soulful, soulful connections. What about you, Cass? Hmm. Um. Lots of thoughts. Uh, I think <laughs> this transit is, I don't know if I'm using the correct term, but I'm thinking of the economic term um, opportunity cost where you can put your energy or your money in one place, but the opportunity cost of that is that you don't get it somewhere else. And mm. sort of at the same time, you've got sort of perhaps surrender and flow and enticement or intoxication and little bit of like fairy like seduction or something yeah in yeah one yeah area losing of, yourself in the in the dream yeah um there's that component but then there's the other component where that's you know a bit like this so you know it's like as you said leash you know you could go into the mystical fantasy or you could stay connected to the phone aka metaverse whatever you want to call it these days so you know um i think like in the personal level there is this idea, like I am holding space that it could be this massive um, overwhelm of emotion, mm. a lot mm. of grief, um, a lot of, uh, I don't know if breakdown is quite the word, but if you think about it, like we've sort of been white knuckling it for the last two years 
And we had a taste of Jupiter and Pisces, but it was only very small. And now we have it with, you know, closer to Neptune, Venus, you know, there is this sort of uh, really amplified and overwhelming influence of it. Um, And it's almost like when you know what happens when you're looking forward to taking holidays and you're working like a dog to get to the um, the leave date and then people finally go to their resort or wherever it is they're going, then they get sick. They come down with a cold or some kind of tummy bug and it's that sort of like when you finally like, you know, let that go in your body or let it go in your mind and then there's some kind of uh, healing that needs to take place. You know, I'm, I know I think I gave up on holidays many moons ago because every time I went on holidays, I would get sick. So this was in my twenties. So I do think there's that component there. Um, you know, I would like to say that this is going to be like a really great transit, but you know, I always hold a caveat for Neptune where there is something like a little bit, um, unseen, smokescreeny, illusionary, deceptive kind of quality to it. So I think like it's almost might also be the overwhelm of opportunity that potentially Jupiter with Neptune could bring. And it Mm. might also be really helpful to balance the Saturn in Aquarius, get clarity around choices and decisions or directions, because then if you know, you're on this kind of discombobulated trip into under the ocean and you forget to come back up and you don't get to strike while the iron's hot or, or hold things for a longer period of time. So it's this really kind of interesting juxtaposition of magic and fantasy but versus reality and structure. So it's almost like finding that way how you can perhaps integrate a dream or a desire or a vision but then also practically or like, you know, I've been saying to clients in client sessions, like decide what you want out of 22 now, like out of 2022 now, because otherwise this overflow can take place and you just drown in it, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. nothing of substance comes out of it. So, you know, maybe you don't want anything of substance, you know, you just want to like Netflix and chill for the first half of 2022 and take that breath or take that relief. And that's fine too. So, yeah, there is that sort of um, – I am holding a little bit of tentative energy around this transit for that reason. Yeah. So it's like on the one hand it could be a chance to take a break from the effortful stuff of, of the, all the Saturn components but to be aware that what you're doing is actually taking a break and that you might have to to circle back. Um, mm. And then, Cass, you're talking about not – so much just Venus and Jupiter, but as Jupiter gets closer to Neptune, which is kind of all coming together late uh, April, where we'll get this kind of huge outpouring of sensitivity or feeling, and that could be like a flood or it could be overwhelming uh, for people, especially if you've been holding on a lot and then like the dam breaks kind of yeah. thing. Hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd 100% agree with that. Hmm. Yeah, watch this space. That's how you adapt to water. Like, yeah, Yeah. when I was on my recent trip to the Great Barrier Reef, it was wonderful, but you can't stay underwater that long. You know, you want to stay there with all the magical colours and the creatures, but you have to keep coming back up for air. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, we've had just some floods near where I live and I was driving my son to school this morning and 
he looked into this one direction and the floodwaters were gone. I said, oh, yeah, you know, they've receded, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, what does that mean? And I said, you know, the sun will either dry out the water, the earth soaks it up, you know, it eventually like that, you know, to, and that was sort of that very Jupiter, Saturn kind of vibe, you know, the overflow of water, but then eventually those waters recede and it's like what's left once they've receded, so... Well, and that's interesting if we think about the analogy of an actual flood where mm. it's it can certainly be destructive in the thick of it where the water can be, the excess of water can be very damaging to property or livestock or um, things like that. And then it's what happens, like to your point, Cass, what happens after when the ground has been so well watered that it is, you know, is it waterlogged? And it's no, it's not functional for a period of time, mm. or has a parched piece of land now been nourished and wet so that it can become productive again. Yeah. And I think that's and something one of you said, maybe it was you cast in our pre-show chat about some of these cycles, you know, whether they're really like helpful and inspiring for you or whether they're more challenging are going to depend a little bit on what it's bringing forward in your own personal chart, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Not everyone's going to get a huge dose of Jupiter and Pisces just based on your chart. And not all of us are going to get like um, extreme Saturn stuff, I guess, depending on how the planets are pulling different focus forward in your own chart. Mm, true that. Yep. And then what happens in the middle of May? What 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 do we want to talk eclipses. about in regards to that? Oh, we've we've forgot an eclipse at the end of April. We want to talk about too. Hmm. Were we going to talk about both of them or just that? Uh, oh yeah, we can talk about both. One. I mean. I'm slightly more like I think one is more difficult than the other. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, which is the lunar eclipse in Scorpio. Um, yeah, 25 16. Scorpio and it's 15, yeah. 16. Yeah, yeah, of May. Yeah. Um, so do we want to, I mean, since we're on the topic of Venus in Pisces, yes. just talking about that lunar eclipse that's happening, I think it's the 30th of Oh, the, the April solar from, eclipse, yeah, end the of The solar April. eclipse, sorry, yeah. Yep. 30th of April for much of the world. It's the 1st of May here in Australia. Um, So it's looking to Venus in Pisces. So it's a little bit nicer than that lunar eclipse that's going to happen on the 15th, 16th of May, isn't it? So Mm. it's happening at 10 degrees of Taurus uh, right near Uranus. So that's going to add to the volatility, the uncertainty of, what's going on you know I think it's really highlighting Uranian um, transits for anyone that's going through them just this energy of I don't know it's it's I think Cass you've used this analogy in the past that cattle prompt to the bull Um, you know running (laughs) electricity getting it to run getting it to move getting it to shift so this could be an eclipse it's really bringing in okay where do I need to shift where am I feeling restless in this Taurus area of my chart where do I need to bring difference and newness Uh, but it looks to Venus in Pisces. So it has this kind of, okay, well, I can envision what the future looks like and I'm going to shift towards that or, and it's a North Node eclipse as well. So it's not as draining or tiring or exhausting as those, like the one we've just been through this, uh, the solar eclipse we've just had in Sag as we're recording this. So anything else you guys wanted to say about that eclipse? 
I mean, look, it, I I agree with what you're saying, Leash. I think just briefly, I would say yes, and it, it's a good eclipse, and it's got those qualities of upheaval. But I wonder about a little bit more on maybe the breakthrough side of like mm-hmm. breaking down of all things that you've been wanting to get out of or try to find a way f- to get away from. You know, whether it's mm. a responsibility or a routine. You're like, I want to refresh this, or I want to push forward to something new or different. And it does feel like there's a little bit of maybe encouragement to go forward into something new with this eclipse. Mm. Uh, What about you, Cass? Yeah, well, those things that um, you find yourself being just a tad bit stubborn about, you know. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, it's like do you bend or do you break, you know, and that's always the choice, right? Um, And, you know, if that's a part of your story sort of around those 10 degrees of Taurus or the other fixed planets, you know, that's going to be the big question. Um, and, you know, if you haven't learned some kind of, you know, dare I say flexibility when I'm talking Taurus, you know, since 2018, when Uranus first moved in there, this eclipse is kind of going to potentially be, I don't know if I want to say like a rude awakening and for some it may be, but as you said, Kel, it can be like, oh, finally, that thing I've been um, stewing on or trying to figure out an outcome or a solution for. It's like, you know, Uranus can just bring, you know, it's like that bolt of lightning and it sort of will blaze that path or that trail and you just go, oh, okay, like this is the way forward. And so it can be quite exciting and liberating for um, those Taurus areas of life, which can mm. be, be creatures of habit and routine and not really know they're stuck in, until they've really got themselves stuck in something. So, you know, it can be definitely exciting. Um, I often suggest, you know, if this does impact you, start, you know, embracing little things to kind of, you know, um, prime you for the bigger things potentially changing in uh, larger scale ways as this is the first eclipse of, or actually, you know, we had one in um, November, but, you know, this is the kind of the solar eclipse that's really kind of with the nodes in the same sign that's really kind of energising and setting the scene for what these eclipses will mean. Hmm. Yeah, and the technical note there, Cass, I think, is that this is the first eclipse on the Taurus-Scorpio axis that actually has the nodes in the mm-hmm. Taurus, the signs of Taurus-Scorpio. Um, so it just feels like it's coming in a little bit more hot or strong. It's not um, the preview. It's the full feature. Bill. It's, this is it. This is the main show. So coming in hot, of, hey, Kel? Yeah, yeah, coming in hot and uh, <laughs> hold your horses for when we get to May 16, I guess, with that mm. lunar eclipse in Scorpio. Uh, yeah, owie. That eclipse just feels <laughs> like a necessary purge or something, like the south node, the moon is in full in Scorpio, which always brings a lot of emotional drama anyway, and then we're getting that lunar eclipse with the south node. So what needs to be, and like what do you need to heal or release? It feels like congestion or constipation, like emotional constipation that we might need to uh, 
take, you know, some sort of therapeutic support around, you know, what is the emotional equivalent of like an enema or something, like not to be too gross, but what's got congested and stuck that we need to, to be releasing um, old pain, old hurt, what do we need to heal? What are we holding on to that is actually just causing us? You know, when we, we're angry about something and when we don't do anything about it, it just causes bitterness inside of us and it doesn't actually change anything externally. So mm. it does feel like having to find a way to move through more difficult emotions um, just sort of at, at first pass. But what are each of your thoughts on this one? I know it's a dramatic event. Well, I guess we are the uh, Scorpio-Taurus <laughs> axis together, aren't we, Leish? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, you go well, first. I, well, I was just thinking, you know, about that flooding analogy actually because I think this is going to be linked into helping, you know, this – not that I look at trines for nodes and, and eclipses, but if we think about what's going on in the Pisces area of our chart before this, the flooding that happens here, I, we notice it really strongly. So when the floods come through, the rivers get full of, of mud and detritus, and then they end up in the wetlands, which is a very Scorpio place, mm. swamps. Swamps. <laughs> wetlands are much nicer name. And so the wetlands are where the nutrients get filtered out before they get flushed into the sea. So it's that opportunity to keep the richness of mm. the soil, to keep all of that so it doesn't get flushed away. And that's the thing, you know, we do need to when it comes to emotions really, you know, this is I think the opportunity with the Jupiter-Neptune is to, to really flush the whole system through. It's like going on a water fast for a while. But if we don't get rid of the toxins at the same time, and that's what this south node Scorpio eclipse is like, okay, how can we do that detoxification of all of this consciously so we can let it all go and release it? Because, um, God, we've been through so much in the last two years on so many levels, not just with COVID, but social inequality, um, you know, gender issues, all of this. So it's this opportunity to go, okay, let's flush it all out. Let's get rid of it. Let's have that colonic um emotionally to to clear it all and it's it's interesting as well that it's happening right opposite where that lunar eclipse happened happened in november true that yeah Mm. yeah it's it's really close so i think november gave us a okay this is what i really want to go towards but that mid may one will be like but this is what i have to let go of to be able to get Mm. to that place so the sun will still be close to our goal um, for this this full moon eclipse as well. So I think there is going to be quite a bit around that touching into that dark feminine, having a look at you know mirrors that you know the thing that helps us with Medusa's myth um, and where we could potentially lose our head. Um, so therefore, we need to follow our heart. So that that would be my touches on that. What about you, Cass? I don't know, whenever I hear someone like mention fasting, my ears prick up and I say, what's that? (laughs) 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 Me and my Taurus planets. Anywho, um, yeah, to me, I guess this whole um, axis, Taurus, Scorpio being very active, it was active, you know, throughout 2021, but obviously the nodes are making that more. So I really starting to play with the idea of simplicity versus complexity. And where in your mm. life are you maybe making things more complex, um, like making things more like stewing on things or uh, turning emotional mo- like uh, molehills into mountains kind of thing. Mm. And, you know, this is the south node 
uh, in Scorpio with the full moon. And so this may be the encouragement, okay, to cut some of that away and just go back to the other side and simplify it. You know, if um, I know, uh, you know, when you're sort of like looking at certain parts of your life, well, if you can't simplify it, can you delete it? Can you delegate it? Can you kind of get it out of your space so it's something that you don't have to like maybe personally deal with? Doesn't necessarily mean um, like, so for me, you know, this is my sixth house and, you know, I could already see like, you know, projecting forward, there's going to be certain tasks, <laughs> obligations, things I have to do that I don't want to be like handling on my own anymore. So I'm like, okay, you know, thinking about what that might mean in my life. So, you know, it's like, where can you, simplify things um, Mm. and just uncomplicate. And usually that's just either diving right in and pulling out the pieces and examining that, going right into Scorpio, or you just cut sever away and or or like sort of surrender it, get rid of it, uh, or whichever way kind of works for you. So I think, you know, looking at your own birth chart, grappling with the idea of simplicity, which is what Taurus preference is, and then Scorpio being the complexity and where do you need to make those kind of adjustments so you can find some kind of quote unquote balance in those areas of your life. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting for the Pluto and Scorpio generation, actually, this series of eclipses just what will be, you know, around power and control structures in their worlds and what they're kind of facing. Just, sorry, just something popped into my head yeah, when we're yeah. talking about I mean, that in terms of chart placements. Yeah. I, I do think like anyone with planets in Scorpio or angles, like mm. the Ascendant, Midheaven, Descendant, I see, I think, you know, the South Node coming in is is a really good chance to acknowledge what might be draining or depleting you around those planets Mm. or around those topics in your life and then thinking about how can you let go of that or release it or move further away from it? How can there be some sort of separation? But Mm. I love that, Cass, that simplicity versus complexity. That's such a nice breakdown of the Taurus-Scorpio axis. Um, Yeah. Okay. I feel like we could go on a massive tangent and talk about this for an hour. (laughs) Um, But speaking of keeping it simple... Jupiter is going to, has just around this eclipse, Jupiter has changed signs into Aries. Mm -hmm. Not that I necessarily think that that's a simple placement, but it's certainly more straightforward in its nature. Um, What are your thoughts on Jupiter coming into Aries and how that's going to kind of lead us into the rest of the year? I think you need to take this one, Leish. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Look, my chart, I'm really looking forward to it. And I know for those people who have Aries placements, um, it will be really exciting about growth. And the, the person whose chart I actually looked at for this, because I was doing a bit of research for my webinar that I did. And it's interesting because the year 1987 was a year when Jupiter was in Aries. And on a sports, I don't know, one of those Reddit threads, someone had put 1987 when all these sports champions were born, you know, people who are really good at getting active, getting athletic. So I was looking at Novak Djokovic's chart because he's got Jupiter in Aries. Do we have a time for him? Who is it? Um, It's a top top tennis player. player. I I know exactly who he is. Yeah, it's actually AA rated on Astro.com. So we do. He's a cap rising but he has uh jupiter and the moon in aries and i just thought that really 
that it, he can be really focused and really driven. But, you know, he's called the Joker um, because of the way that he is on the court. You know, if you've ever seen the YouTube of him strip teasing, uh, for, you know, because you've got wolf whistles from the sidelines, he's someone who brings a lot of fun, a lot of lightness, a lot of play into what he does. I mean, he has gotten himself in hot water in the past. I was going to say, he, we also that. get the, well, even exactly. just there is a, there's a temper component or a, a reactive quality to his personality as well. Yeah. Totally. And look, you yeah. see this in Russell Crowe, who also has a Jupiter in Aries for oh, those who know. Yeah. Yes. So okay. you know, and, and he's played so many soldier parts in his life as well. Yes. If you think about it. So, you know, there's definitely this martial quality to this, but there is a fun playfulness as well. I mean, Blake Lively is another one with Jupiter in Aries, uh, fairly strongly placed in her chart. We don't have an exact time, but you know, the her and Ryan Reynolds on Twitter, the banter that those two have back and forth is hilarious. So I do think Jupiter and Aries, look, we're coming out of the wetness, uh, you know, as you perfectly described it earlier, Cass, of what's left when the waters recede. So mm. the waters have fully receded, things are drying out. What are we ready to start? What are we ready to initiate with this really strong cardinal fire energy? So there is excitement, there is enthusiasm, but there's also impulsiveness and there's also frustration and there is that idea with this that we can speed too far ahead. You know, speeds do really pick up. We move from the synambulance of Pisces um, into the excited heat of this of Aries. So I think, you know, I always say Aries are really good at butting things with their heads and that's where we'll feel excited for. But I think there's also a lot of courage and a lot of emboldenment, uh, emboldenment, emboldenment with this, with this energy too. So I think it's, it's just generally a sense of, okay, we can get things done under this energy. Let's, let's just go ahead and do it and maybe think about the details later. So It'll be an interesting energy, I think, especially if we consider this year's Jupiter back in a malefic, you know, under rulership of a malefic. It's going to spend part of its energy and time co-present with Mars in Aries as well. Um, But I do, I don't know, I like that period where Jupiter first moves into Aries and we've got Mars in Pisces. So there is that reception between the two or or generosity or whatever you want to call it the two um they don't see each other but there is a able to help each other out both of them have a a, a bit of dignity in what they're doing as well um jupiter's in its triplicity um at night in in aries and mars as well in pisces so the two of them can definitely help each other out so that's happening mars moves into pisces around the 16th of april Um, and it is in that period. So when Jupiter moves into Aries, that's the 13th of May. Uh, So the two are kind of together right up until the 26th of May when Mars moves into Aries. So there is that generosity or that reception happening there where they can help each other out. So I do think that'll keep Jupiter in Aries energy a little bit slower and keep the vision and visionings together. But Mars is conjunct Neptune at that time. So we may be a bit confused or hesitant or not quite ready to to bolden ahead with our Jupiter and Aries dreams. So that's more potential to come through towards the end of May when uh, Mars moves into Aries and so the two of them are there ready to go. So we could potentially spend that time dreaming um, end of May towards beginning of, of 
June and then and then we hit the ground running after that. So what do you think, Cass? There's so <laughs> what much. Are you yeah. Um, my thoughts. I think I've used this analogy on the podcast before. It might have been when we had Mars in Pisces, maybe 2020, and then it moved into Aries and squaring Saturn and all of that. And I often think of when we have heavy Pisces influence that influences that then shift into Aries, it feels like astro rehab <laughs> where you're drying out, right? Yeah. So there is that sort of drying out quality to it. And the first sort of little piece of Jupiter in Aries is looking to Mars in Pisces. And so it's like you've got out of the rehab facility and the whole world looks wonderful and full of possibilities because you're seeing it with a renewed clarity and renewed focus and a renewed perspective. And um, I believe in sort of AA and, you know, different type of rehab situations, I'll say to you, you know, don't get in a relationship for a little while, mm-hmm. you know, 12 months, whatever the number months, is. Yeah. yeah, don't do this for a while. Like it's this, you know, Jupiter in Pisces is like a horse. At, oh, sorry, Jupiter in Aries is like a horse at the gate, right? Just wants to go to that go. buffet of crazy and do all the things. But it is this sort of like let's kind of like look at the world with wonder and possibility and opportunity and then kind of line up your target when um, Mars then moves into Aries. Um, in I think May 26-ish, I think Mars mm, will move into Aries and join Jupiter. Yep. Yeah, so it's almost like as um, Jupiter goes into Aries, it's like, you know, hold your horses a bit, mate. Like just, you know, just survey the landscape, decide what it is that, you know, what direction you want to take because it could be like too much too soon and then you burn out. So I feel like there is this sort of tentative quality before we move into that, you know, uh, like double punch of, uh, you know, like jab hook or whatever, the jab, jab hook or whatever it is of um, Mars and Jupiter together. And that is really like all guns blazing, um, you know, Philly boots kind of energy, go for it. But it is a little bit like, for me, I'm looking at that as a little bit like you'll feel the energy, um, you know, going from water to fire to me is such a transitional um, elemental mm. quality that's really stark. Um, but there is just that little bit of caveat, maybe just spend the first kind of like couple of weeks just sort of, you know, figuring it out or what have you first, not even a couple of weeks, maybe like 10 days or so, or maybe two weeks. Yeah. Just yeah. figuring things out first. So what about you? Yeah. Impulse. Totally, yeah totally. Yeah. I love what you guys are saying because you're kind of breaking down the fact that, yeah, Jupiter's going into Aries early-ish in May, but it's not until Mars comes into Aries towards the end of the month that we really Mm. get, like, the energy, the enthusiasm, the motivation, and the drive. And that's a huge shift in in the... In the landscape of 2022, Jupiter wrapping up its its main time in Pisces and coming into Aries is, is like a whole shift. And there is more of a lively quality to Jupiter and Aries. There could be, uh, you know, it might create some tension or, or mean that you've got to like work through things where there's a bit of disagreement. But the Jupiter and Aries plus Mars and Aries period, which is late May, all of June and very early July, that is really unique to me and and it feels like, you know, you, if we think about our own charts where we have the sign of Aries, it feels like making decisions. It feels like taking action. It feels like getting things started or getting things moving. And it has been 12 years since Jupiter was in Aries. So you might think back to 2010, which was the last time Jupiter was in Aries, if you want to try and get a sense of how Jupiter and Aries could stir your chart. 
There are things that are different now to then, you know, when Jupiter was in Aries in 2010, we had Uranus there. We don't have that now. So we just kind of have Jupiter and Aries. But I really do think uh, individually for sure, we're going to see that sense of maybe the drying out, Cass, I love that, you know, I think we're all of a similar mind with like planets going from water signs to fire signs, you know, the dry out, the clarity, the the sort of specificity of purpose or action that comes with that. I might not be pleasing people or connecting with people, but I'm getting this thing done. And mm. that's, I really think that's a vibe coming into June with that Mars and Aries there together. So um, kind of like, yeah, the busy bee. Yeah, when I was a child, I have a lot of placements in Aries. When I was a child, my parents said, I always just said, I do it. Like, I do I, it. I, I wouldn't let anyone else do it for me. I do it. And I think this is a strong part of what this can be around. It's like, mm. I do it. I'll do it for myself. I'll, I'll do it. But also, I'll do it. You know, it's, it's less about the connectivity and, the, and the, the Libra side of things and more about the, okay, what's in it? Like, how can I be focused on self yes. in this period of time too? Yes. Hmm. But it'd be exciting. Yes, there'll be um, no sleepy time with that. <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> the sleepy time of maybe April with the excess of Pisces will be done by the mm, time we get mm-hmm. to the end of May. Yeah. So, gals, that probably brings us towards the end of our, you know, look at the first half of the year. Uh, are there any final thoughts that either of you want to share on the astro of the first half of the year? I guess it's just holding that duality of one part of your life can kind of go quite well, but the um, other parts of your life that have maybe been a bit stirred or shaken in 2021 will sort of continue to be, but there'll be relief or there'll be another point of focus or, you know, some uh, greasing the wheels. Pleasant Mm. distractions or breaks from from that. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And I think we talked about this in our pre-show chat and it's important to say it's just Saturn will be Saturn now, you know, because it doesn't have Jupiter there with it. So it's like it'll be interesting to see what happens in those Saturn-themed areas, those Saturn-themed parts of our chart. Okay, how how will Saturn um, restrict or restrain or contain us during this period of time? Mm, Without Mm. that moderating influence of of Mm. Jupiter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we look forward to hearing your experiences and your comments via the the comment section below. Uh, What do you each have going on over the next few months that you might want to share about? Uh, I know we should each mention our websites. Um, I don't know if you gals know what your schedules will be for the first part of the year or if there's anything you want to give a special shout out to. Well, I have a workshop coming up uh, in the week between Christmas and New Year looking all at 2022. Um, so it's a runs over two days. So um, all the details there are on my website. Uh, Winston will be a supporter of that workshop. He's uh, letting other people know that uh, there's a cat. Um, so yeah, he's there's supervising. That. Yep, yep. He's my apprentice. So yeah, that's uh, astrology of 2022. Um, December 2930. Um, and yeah, more to come in 2022 for sure. But that's the next thing on the, on the horizon for me. What about you, Alicia? Oh, Cass, just give a shout out your website. It's CassandraTindall.com, right? That's right. Okay. Alicia? 
mine is alishayusuf.com. I have just recorded an Astrology of 2022 webinar, so um, that is available on my website to download now. And I have some counselling slots. I've been, um, I've had to close off my books, but my books are reopening in January. I've got a couple of counselling spots for anyone who'd like to use those uh, Jupiter and Pisces, Neptune, you know, to, to kind of work through the emotions and get through that. I do use uh, counselling with astrology. So it's a bit of a unique offering there. And yeah, um, more to come. I've got plans. I've got dreams. I've got envisioning, but we'll see exactly how that plays out. Yes. So keep an eye on everybody's websites and Winston is and newsletters too I like, guess we all have newsletters oh yeah newsletters sign up well. to the newsletters so subscribe to the YouTube channel if you don't already and then if you w- want to stay in touch with each of us uh, check out our websites Cassandra Tyndall AliciaYusuf.com and my website Kelly'sAstrology.com I will be uh, teaching as always and you can catch all the updates for upcoming courses some of them are on the astrology of 2022 and some of them are on techniques uh, I think we have a timing with nodes webinar and a webinar on Fedaria coming up in the first part of 2022 so all the details will be on cool. um, the events calendar on my website uh, so that, is that it? I think we're done. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, so great to be back recording with you gals again. And thanks to all our lovely listeners for sticking with us over our irregular schedule in the last couple of years. We do appreciate your comments and your feedback, and we look forward to sharing more as 2022 unfolds. Bye for now. Wishing you all a magical 2022. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye.